So we're going to pick up a little bit where we left off uh, last uh, last week, but I do have a, a few more things that I was able to add. And so we're talking about planting into heavy covers. And one of the things that I, I believe I might have mentioned is these angle pitch closing brackets that Yetter has just released. And I'm just going to show you now. We're going to talk about it later. We were able to plant that. We were able to use them on uh, on uh, several acres uh, but I'm going to talk about that at the end today so these are just been released for testing they're not for sale yet as I understand they're going to go through the season but we were testing we put they gave us gave me two rows to try so we're going we'll swing back around to that at the end but just quickly review from uh, last week we talked about planting into heavy covers uh, what does heavy covers mean well I'm saying, Whatever you define heavy cover, I guess, is where we're going to define it. But uh, this has just gone into a very nice thick stand of hairy vetch. Uh, or maybe heavy cover can be described as when you can hardly see the tractor or the planter, at least. Uh, and sometimes it's not all standing. Sometimes it blows down. And we talked about that last week. Uh, one of the examples I gave was from last year. A neighboring friend of mine had this uh, triticale on a wet farm, on a, on a couple wet fields, and um, it was it was uh, just an example there of how you can you know to to plant into a heavy cover like this requires uh, special equipment. So you're going to have to uh, have the right equipment. He he had a no-till planter, but uh, the, my planter is a little bit has airbags and uh, a little more set up with some aggressive road cleaners the shark tooth row cleaners that I have. So we were able to plant into a very, very heavy residue. This actually was 15 inch corn intended for silage. And it, it did turn out pretty well, but in order to cut through those tough stems, I mean, you can literally see in this case, the triticale has already started to, to, uh, to turn. And uh, I think he got a pretty nice, good cover crop there because those seeds were basically all viable by uh by the fall the only problem was uh this is a kind of a wet field to begin with and those of you who know how our area was we were really wet and they really they they kind of mudded that up uh some parts of it in the fall so he had to go in there and fix a few things up but it would have been a lot worse he said if they wouldn't have had heavy cover crops so one of the keys is having good equipment and this is just uh, my residue cleaners that I happen to have on on my uh, planter, and um, so the Yetter Shark Tooth, the Martin Razor uh, Razor something they call it, uh, some some type of a closing wheel that sweeps back so you don't get wrapping because that's that's a big problem when we're into heavy covers. What is a little difficult to see here, I guess you really can't see it, is there's actually deflectors in the inside there to actually defect, deflect out pieces of residue so it doesn't begin the wrapping. Uh, the other factor too is that, that what is called the treader wheel, the, the aluminum two inch wide uh, little wheel there that's bolted on there, uh, that is designed so that the, 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 the uh, residue managers don't gouge in too deep into the soil. But it also helps to flatten out the cover crop a little bit as it's gone through, and, and that's also another um, way to help get through really tough conditions. So one of the big things that 
one of the really important reasons why we need to try to uh, get a good get this the you know some of the residue out of the way or get it cut cleanly is so, so we don't have hair pinning. And if your your seed is placed next to uh, cover crop residue or any type of residue that's not cleanly cut, <clears throat> you plant. If it gets dry, you know water will or excuse me, uh, air gets in there, dries out. The seed may not grow, or or it may be late or may be delayed. Wetter conditions sometimes can overcome this, but getting that proper seed to soil contact is crucial. This is what we want. And sometimes the uh, a way to do that is to plant a little deeper. The thing about it is typically when we're getting later, when our cover crops are heavier, uh, when we're getting later in the year, the soil temperature is beginning to warm up. So planting a little deeper is actually a good idea uh, so that we can do that and, um, and, and get a cleaner cut. Because when the colder is cut deeper, your double disc openers cut deeper, you'll get a cleaner cut. So that brings us kind of up to date from last week. And uh, this is uh, what we're going to start out with here today to talk a little bit about weed control and fertility with heavy cover crops. Um, this is a field of mine a couple years ago that obviously you see the crimson clover there. There's some hairy vetch in there. Um, if you look hard enough, you might see some peas. I know that not, not there weren't many in here, but uh, so there you got a heavy nitrogen producer. We're, we're going in at um, a little bit even past the peak nitrogen contribution of the crimson clover. Hairy vetch is like everything is there. Uh, in this particular field, I added uh, 80 pounds of N, as you see there in the top, to grow this corn. We got 27 tons of silage. And yes, that does include along the woods where the deer had to come out and eaten it a little bit. So I wouldn't doubt my whole field average was a was a little bit higher than that. Well, I know it was. I'm not sure how much, but that's what we took off the field, so that's what I wrote down here. The other key thing here you want to see is five dollars worth of herbicide. That was pretty much uh, that herbicide right there was um, just a little bit of burn down. In this case, I used gramoxone. Uh, uh, glyphosate does not work very well on hairy vetch or Crimson clover, for that matter. So, when it's this mature, um, two pints of of gramoxone after going through like that. By the way, 15 inch rows here again. This was made for silage. So, with a 15 inch splitter planter, like you see, we're running it down. You can see how much it's down. I didn't bother. I don't have rollers on my planter. I did not bother, um, uh, you know, rolling that in that situation. Um, could you have you rolled that and done with no herbicide? Um, my experience has been a little herbicide goes a long way. So um, that's that's what I did right there. That hairy vetch, you can't hardly see any blue flowers in it. That undoubtedly would have regrew a little bit without um, without any herbicide. So, um, you know, how do you calculate nutrient credits when you have a heavy cover crop, when there's a lot of legumes? That's uh, one thing that's important to consider and a potential benefit. Um, and, and, you know, it's difficult to have an exact recipe to know. I just have done enough testing on my farm that a lot of times 60 pounds, 75 pounds of nitrogen to grow 200 bushel corn is about all you need. Um, you could argue you might need any, and you could grow a decent crop probably with any, but I've, I've seen a little bit uh, really helps just kind of push it up over the edge 
for your potential anyway. Um, if if we do um, have a situation where there's actually more uh, grass in the mix uh, that you don't have that nitrogen, nitrogen credit, uh, this picture here, I'm going to talk about some weed control, but um, this is actually that same field, I believe, a year later, uh, where in this case, we had cereal rye, and you can see there's a little bit of vetch in there. So just looking at that right there, and let's just run through a quick scenario. If it would be straight, um, we'll call it cereal rye, uh, triticale, wheat, you know, grass crop, you're going to pretty much have to give full nitrogen for your corn unless you've been in a, a system of no-till and cover crops for a decade or more. Then you can start giving credits there for um, uh, organic matter and just better soil and everything like that. But still, uh, with what you see there, I don't remember what I put on this field, but I'm just looking at what that looks like. I would estimate around 120 pounds of nitrogen probably to grow a, a good silage corn crop. Uh, there. So that's just uh, a little bit of an e example there. So I'm just going to pause for a second here to see, is there any questions uh, so far that would have to do with uh, fertility? And I do have a few more weed control pictures, but um, let's kind of stick to fertility and, and heavy covers. Any questions anybody has in that regard? Anybody? Go ahead, Stephanie. So you said you did a lot of testing on your own farm just to kind of see what you found there. Can you kind of describe mm -hmm. what you did to, uh, to, to get to that point and how long does it take? I, I would guess that you would want to, if you're clipping and, and doing a biomass calculation, you'd want to do it uh, right away or right at that time that you're planting. Yeah, you would do it right at the time of planting. Uh, and that's, that is an option, but you know, Stephanie, I, I, I kind of like to think like a farmer and doing my research. Um, so this goes back to my cover crop seed days when I was selling cover crop seeds. Did a lot of research here in my farm, and I've done hundreds, if not thousands, of small plots where what we would do in a situation like this, we would put 0, 50, 100, 150, 200. That was my five treatments. Always have a zero because you got to know where you're at. You got to know what you're working with. What 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 is the baseline? And then for me, 200 being my average my average production on farm. I mean, when you add everything together, I'm about 185. That's the year in year out average. So I, I'm not the you know the best farm in the on on the in the, in the world in that regard. But uh, so 200 for me is always plenty. So, but you always want to know. So I, I use those five rates, Stephanie, um, and that's how I've pretty much uh, come to the conclusion now on my fields. I can see that when I'm, when I have a good stand of a legume, I've been as low as 40 pound, 50 pound, 60 pound, uh, and sometimes a little more, depends. Uh, that's all I need additional nitrogen to, to do what I would say is an economic um, you know, uh, economic viable, whatever. I will tell you that I am evolving a little bit in in trying to use even less nitrogen because of it seems like there's more and more anecdotal evidence, at least, that when you start weaning yourself off nitrogen, the microbes come alive 
and they start helping you out a lot more. I think there's something to that. Um, and so, you know, I don't know if anybody else has any opinions on that or not, but so to answer your question, I have done replicated research. Uh, and I'll just say I, I did those five different rates, but we always replicated it. Sometimes it's field length and sometimes it's smaller plots, depending on the scope of the trial. Um, so that's how I come up with that. And, you know, people ask me, you know, well, how much nitrogen can I reduce if I use cover crops? Well, I, I don't know. There's so many other questions, so many other variabilities. And it really does come down to each farm. And now with, uh, with you know, variable rate technology, you can pretty much adjust that from the, from the tractor sometimes you know, your rates of nitrogen. And if you keep track of it, you know, and tie it in with yield monitor, if you have field length rows and can and can match them to, you know, your combine width and your planter width and all that, it's it's with, with some forethought, you can actually do testing on your own farm, which is going to be your best information. Is that helpful? Yes, thank you. Oh, hey, boy. Steve, yeah, would the handy yeah. test uh, give you a rough guess of how much nitrogen you would need? Um, the Haney test, uh, I think I'll answer it the way you ask it. It will give you a rough estimate. Um, I have done hundreds of Haney tests on my farm. Um, that being said, it was in 2013 and 2014, so that was when it was just coming out. I uh, will say that, as I understand, it has been improved um, now, but um, I, I didn't feel like I could rely on that quite as much as I had hoped at that time. And I'll just say that I think it has gotten better and a little bit more predictable, a little bit more consistent. But um, so to, to answer your question, Lloyd, yes, I've used the Haney test. Um, I kind of feel like I almost in, found out I, I almost know uh, what by, by looking at the cover crop. I'm, I mean, again, I, you have to understand, I have 25 years experience. I'm not bragging. I'm not being arrogant. I'm just saying you, you start to, to see things, you observe things. And I got to admit, you, you, you do so many research and you get tired of it. So uh, that's just a reality out there. And so you just kind of zone in. Not that I'm not continuing to evolve, but that's just that's that's my answer to your question there, Lloyd. Yeah, my I guess for the newcomer and saying, well, how much nitrogen, yeah. organic nitrogen and all that, uh, yeah. I thought the Haney test might be a good starting point. Oh, it is. And I would I would encourage people to try it, to see where you're at. Uh, I wouldn't fine-tune a thousand-acre farm the first year on using the Haney test, if I can, if I can say that. I think you have to get used to it and, and get your own confidence level in your own farm. M maybe that's another way of what I'm trying to imply here. I think David, you have a question or comment? Yeah. So <clears throat> two weeks ago, I was out and did some uh, biomass sampling yep. um, on some cover crops. It was cereal rye, balanza clover, and crimson clover. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, mm -hmm. I pulled soil cores to look at doing the Haney test, and I paired that mm -hmm. with a PLFA test as well, just to see mm -hmm. what microbial activity I had going on in that soil. Mm -hmm. um, my biomass was, you know, it was about 4,300 um, mm -hmm. pounds per acre dry matter. 
Um, I came back mm -hmm. with like 90 pounds of nitrogen, 117 pounds of potassium, 37 mm -hmm. pounds of phosphorus. Um, mm -hmm. My carbon to nitrogen at that stage was like a 22 to one. Perfect. But when you, yeah, and I'm sure by now it's probably closer to yeah. 30 to one since my rise is a lot more mature yeah. and everything. Sure. Yeah. But uh, the the Haney test actually came back and only showed that's having like 14 pounds of nitrogen in that whole profile. Mm -hmm. But I got to remember mm -hmm. that that growing cover crop is using quite a bit as well. Oh, it's it's yeah, it's up in the biomass. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you looked at it, like, so this is, you know, this village has been in cover crop, I think three years and okay. of those three years, we haven't had the best stands. So our soil structure mm -hmm. really isn't that great. We don't have okay. the aggregate structure we want. When we started looking at like yeah. the protozoa, there was no okay. protozoa that was showing up in our PLFA test. So okay. there was nothing that was consuming the bacteria and releasing that nitrogen. So it all kind of... Mm -hmm rolls into how is your what's your soil like as well right so. well yeah and and that's again my my reference to you do have to try on your own fields um all these tests are are, are i think they're great and um i think they will get better um but you know biology is a very very kind of elusive sometimes uh, uh thing to, to 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 wrap your arms around it's just it's just not an exact science when we're talking about biology here and microbes and and and, and all that. But we're getting some tools that are are indeed, um, you know, showing some promise. And so, good. Okay, any other questions before we move on and focus a little bit more on weed control? Hey, Steve, I like your picture yeah. of your tractor with all the with all the uh, uh, all the pollen all over yeah. the all over the equipment. Yeah, you can hardly see it's a John Deere anymore. <clears throat> well. Um, I, I thought about putting that in here, but while you brought it up, Stephanie, it is an issue sometimes. Um, and I'll just make mention that if you were trying to roll a cover crop without using any herbicides, we're getting really close here with what you see there in that picture. Uh, yes, it is definitely pollinating. I remember that day. And, and I've got to tell you one thing, it can clog up your radiator, your tractor. Um, so that's one thing to be aware of. Watch your, watch your temperature gauge for sure. Um, and, and, but I will tell you, I remember going to that field. I went out there first light in the morning cause there was some dew and, uh, the, the dew will help lower the pollen, uh, you know, going out, getting airborne, getting in your radiator. The other thing is too, is if you happen to have, and it doesn't happen all the time, but. If you have a light rain or something moving in or something, you can wait till then. And uh, it's amazing, it, depending how your conditions are, but it's all about managing uh, the pollen. Uh, if you do have a, a little rain coming, you can roll a long time uh, before you need to stop to get out of the field. Uh, and I've done that. I've done it at night. Uh, those of you who listen to a lot of my other webinars have probably seen me uh, doing that. Pollen, The pollen is a concern with your tractor, and sometimes you just have to almost every half hour or so uh, take out, um, clean the radiator out. Now, a lot of the newer tractors, and mine's a, a 6125R series, John Deere there, there's a screen in front of the radiator that does block a lot of it out. Uh, and you can just pull that screen right out, shake it off by hand. It's like a five-minute job. Yes, it is a pain, but 
it's just what you have to do um, in this. If, if you can't work around any other way, if you have to roll. Uh, so that's just, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but uh, it, it certainly is, it is a factor that you have to work around. Any other questions uh, before we move on? So when we talk about weed control, uh, usually uh, in the context of cover crops and heavy covers, we're talking about the heavy cover, the actual suppressing, the shading out of weeds. And just using this as an example, this picture here, and I'm going to uh, advance to the next slide. And before it comes up, I'll just say that this is how it looks um, when you um, when you roll a cover crop like this, a little different part of the field. But here we're coming back in again with 15-inch silage corn. And um, a roller at this point, like I alluded to earlier, will, will do a pretty good job. Now, this was just rolled probably the same day as we're planting there. But, um, you know, you got to have this kind of a cover. Um, uh, David was mentioned here a second ago about 4,000 pounds per acre. Uh, the numbers I've seen, if you want to translate it to biomass, that three to 4,000 pounds per acre is, is kind of necessary if you're going to expect to get decent weed control. So um, that's just a, an FYI, so to speak, to understand what it does take on average conditions. Um, I'll just um, forward here to the next picture and, and show you that this is that exact field a couple weeks later. So um, not only did I um, not need residual on most of the field, um, I'll tell you what I did do because this was had a lot of uh, cereal rye in it, knowing that we're going to need some nitrogen. I put on 20 gallon per acre of 28% with, as I recall, two pint of gramoxone to finish that off. And then that fried it. Uh, probably could have even used a little less. <clears throat> but this is a case here where I knew I had good enough cover that did not apply any residual. If you see my little notation in the bottom of the slide there, zero residual, but I did post emergence on the sum of the field. Uh, the bottom part of that field had a little burr cucumber, and you can't let burr cucumber get out of control. So I had a spray of 40-foot width on the bottom of that field there. So full disclosure, but that's pretty nice-looking corn there with no residual. Um, now, because that was rye this time, I recall I put 160 pounds of nitrogen on that. And um, so that's just kind of the opposite effect of when you go with legumes. So any questions on heavy cover crops and corn, um, planting uh, corn into a heavy cover crop? Because we're going to switch to soybeans here in a second. Any questions on that, anybody? Okay. Um, so uh, soybeans, um, as we all know, soybeans are much, much more forgiving and much easier to, um, to establish in a heavy cover because one of the big challenges of heavy cover is, is not having all the good seed to soil contact and, and not maybe as good of a stand. You have to have a good plan. You got to know what you're doing. But soybeans, if you have a few skips here and there, not a big deal. But um, we've said many times here that how easy it is to plant soybeans into heavy cover, particularly cereal rye. 
So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I only have this one slide, and I want to talk about the closing wheels here to wrap things up today. But um, any comments on planting the heavy covers in the cereal rye? Comments or questions on that? So I know Jack there in Iowa, you've been working with that. I remember last year you told some stories. Uh, what do you, what are you thinking this year, um, Jack? Is as far as what's it looking like in your neighborhood? Is there people uh, doing a lot of beans in the cereal rye? Uh, there's there's not a lot, but it's uh, it's kind of growing. They've they've been observing what I've been doing and and the weed control that I've been able to get with it, and you know it it's it's worked out. There's getting to be more and more of them that's planting green. Right. Anyone else have any comments on planting green, planting in the heavy covers in the cereal rye beans or whatever? Okay, let's uh, uh, wrap it up here. Um, and this really applies, I think, because. Um, there's one of the things that I have been really, really looking forward to is having these uh, adjustable pitch or toe-in adjustments on closing wheels. And um, what's kind of ironic, if you mail, if you if you can say it, is I first saw this in France about three or four years ago, and um, and I've seen over there actually now numerous uh, pieces numerous uh, pieces of equipment that have this adjustment where you can tow the, the wheels in and out. And uh, and actually, uh, I have right here, right beside me in my office today, uh, a guy from France is visiting the farm. So it's kind of cool that uh, he's here looking over my shoulder as I share this webinar because uh, to, to my knowledge, this is, this is one of the first adjustable tow-in uh, closing wheels that has been released. This is from Yetter. Uh, they debuted it at the National Farm Machinery Show in Kentucky back there in February. Uh, they have placed about 100 grow unit, 100 rows out around the country to test, and they sent me a couple. So um, the nice thing about this is that you're able to adjust the, the toe-in of these closing wheels so that they can literally pull the, uh, the seed slot shut. And my internet speed is just too slow to upload a decent video site. I'm not going to show you a video here, but um, there's an adjustment that they have uh, to to do that. It's, it's, it's as easy as can be. There's a little lever in the bottom. That's where I'm pointing to with that arrow there. And if you look at it a little bit closer, uh, you can see the adjustability. It's just very simple. You just pull it out and adjust it wherever you want to, and that adjusts it in and out. And the thing of it is, is these closing wheels, the brackets, the pitch, the angle, whatever you want to call it, is still 1970s technology. Uh, that's back, you know, that was pretty much set when the John Deere Max Emerge planter came out. And that was designed to pack soil around the seed. That's the way that angle is. If you look at the angles, that's what it's designed to do. Uh, where in a no-till situation or particularly even a heavy cover crop situation where you have this tremendous root mass, when you try to pack it, it takes a, a lot of pressure or a lot of force, a lot of spring tension or whatever you have back there to actually get it shut. You're actually almost fighting it. You don't have to do that if we just engineer it right. So um, I'm just going to fast forward here to another picture of it when it, what, so you can see the bottom of it to see how it looks. And um, 
I, I, I want to point out the, the spring there. Obviously, it happens to be a John Deere spring. I'm sure that when they, when they get released, they're going to be all black. But uh, that's what they sent. But what is interesting is that spring now is a, a, a more milder version, or should I say a weaker version of the spring. The reason is we don't need the type of tension that we've needed before. You just don't need it. And uh, I'm just going to back up here a slide. Uh, so be, because you don't need it, then you, you don't really have enough options with the normal heavy-duty spring. And um, as a matter of fact, you hardly need any pressure on it sometimes, which is amazing when this angle is right for your conditions. So they give you a, a smaller or weaker spring um, in order to make that make your adjustments more in the range of what you need to do. So um, I just think this is this is good. I do know there's several other manufacturers looking at this. Um, and I do know that John Deere actually has it in their Brazilian planters uh, in Brazil, the ones they make there. Why they don't have them here is beyond me. I just think there'd be a big market for this, especially with planting green now, especially with that, with the, the, the roots that are sometimes, you know, they're so, they make it harder to close. So that's pretty cool um, to, to be able to see this uh, starting to come to fruition and, and um, I'm thinking with our six-row planter, we planted about 40 or 50 acres, and um, yeah, there's, there's it's doing exactly what I had hoped to do, what I expected. So, any questions on this angle pitch closing bracket? Any questions anybody has? Okay, I'm just gonna uh, just share what we'll be talking about next week, and we were talking before we went live here about how. Uh, Lots of areas are still wet, and I thought this would be an appropriate picture, unfortunately. So um, next week, we're going to be talking about prevented planning, question mark, seizing the opportunity, explanation mark. So uh, it, I, I, I feel like it's unfortunate. Of course, you can't get – some are not going to be able to get their cash crops planted, and it looks like this might be in, in larger sections than we really like, but it is what it is. Uh, nonetheless, we're going to talk about what are the best species, timing, uh, because some of these, we don't know when they're going to dry out, some of these areas. How do you, how do you work around a, a wet area of a field? What do you do about that and, and so forth? So that's what I'm going to be talking about next week. Um, but just to wrap up today, um, is there anybody else, is any, any cover crop question at all? Any, any question at all you have? It could be about today's topic or some other some other cover crop topic that you've been thinking about. Steve, it's Jack. Yeah, um, as, as you were showing that uh, um, variable, yeah. uh, pitch, variable pitch closing wheel there in, in, the, in the closing wheel that you had on there, uh, having it pull it down like that, does that make it more susceptible to wrapping? Uh, great question, Jack. And just because I know a lot of you are curious, um, the uh, that's pro stitch closing wheels. I want to be clear, they are not yetter. The closing wheels are not yetter. Um, they're pro stitch. Uh, I like them. Um, uh, that's what's going on my plan. I do have some yetter. I guess you they call it twisted spikes or whatever they are. Uh, but um, or twisted something they call them. Yetter does. So the answer to your question is it may well. And what I don't have on there is on that picture is a deflector i i um they getter has a really good deflector for that i would say that if you are getting into a situation 
that you're getting the heavy covers and you have a, a an aggressive spiked type closing wheel. Some are more aggressive than others. You may have to get a deflector uh, to, to eliminate that. Those deflectors are great, but they really require some fine tuning to work. So at least you know they're out there now. Um, so that's just, yeah, that's just uh, an FYI on that. A couple people are lighting up here. Todd, Stephanie? Uh, what I was going to add, um, what you've talked about is exactly the same for pumpkins as for beans or corn or yeah, yeah. I um, what I'm probably going to do. Are you referring to the angle pitch closing wheel? I'm talking about planning in the heavy covers. Oh, heavy covers. Okay, the overall thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty much there's it's all it's all applicable. And a lot of times that's what we're when we're planting squash and pumpkins, we're planting into heavy covers. That's what we want. We want to grow them heavy. We want to grow them big. Um, and you know to get weed control and also to keep our pumpkins and squash cleaner. So um, that's that certainly is the goal. Um, and I showed last week. If you didn't see last week's. You might want to go back and look at it because I showed the residue slicer that is, is designed to cut through heavy, heavy residue. So um, go back and watch last week's webinar if you want to see more information on that, Todd, if you weren't on last week. I, I forget if you were on or not. Yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, okay. Um, anybody else? All our businesses Bob? around here. Can, Bob? Like, hey, Steve. Hey, um, I have crimson clover, and it's just starting to go into bloom. You have to work real hard for it. What stage should I roll crimp that to terminate it? So do you want to terminate it with the roller? Yes. Okay. Well, it's really pretty. <laughs> well, you're out there trying to take pictures of it, Bob, and you uh, then, can't help it. You just got to take one more picture of it. That's, that, that's when you want to roll. Okay, so when it's in full bloom or just past or something? Well, you know, crimson clover does it. The, the blooms kind of start at the bottom and work up, and it's, huh. it's always a fine line, which is the best day to take a picture uh, or, or and everything. And I, I, you might have heard me say this before, but I had a beautiful stand of crimson clover. Actually, it was it was that field I started with today almost. And, you know, we went through and – no, it wasn't that field. It was another because we rolled it. And and my neighbor texted me and said, "What do you do with that beautiful field?" Which I thought was kind of cool that they you know they noticed it and oh, I, just, yeah. I just rolled her down, man. Time <laughs> to plant. So, uh, anyway, yes, yeah, right. so I'd say full bloom. Yep. Okay. Any other questions? Other questions from anybody? Okay. One more time. Any more questions for today's topic or any any cover crop topic? Okay, well, thanks for everyone who joined us. I really appreciate it. Appreciate your support. Uh, stay curious and keep learning. We'll see you next week.